Welcome to House Calls, where we have insightful conversations with investment bankers from Kane Brothers, a division of Key Bank Capital Markets Incorporated. I'm your host, Dave Johnson, the CEO of Foresight Health and the author of The Customer Revolution in Healthcare, Delivering Kinder, Smarter, Affordable Care for All. I co-author a monthly thought leadership article with a rotating cast of senior bankers from Kane Brothers. In each piece, we do a deep dive on a fascinating sector of this dynamic healthcare industry. This month, we're looking at a sector that has long been overlooked, but is now drawing a lot of attention, investment capital, and business model innovation. Our article is titled, Fixing America's Aching Backs, Bones, and Joints, Digital Clinics Transforming Orthopedic Care. You'll hear the acronym MSK a lot during this show. It stands for Musculoskeletal Care, which no one wants to say fast. My co-author is Ricky Ng, a director at Kane Brothers focused on M&A and capital raising with a particular expertise in orthopedics. Welcome to House Calls, Ricky, where the bankers are always in. Hey, Dave. Thanks for uh, having me on the podcast, and I'm excited to dive into this topic here. Ricky, we had a lot of fun with this topic. I even wrote a song about it on our website. And so it turned out to be far more interesting and far-reaching and even transformative than I would have initially expected. So why don't you set the table for us? Give us a sense of the scale of MSK conditions and why it's such a cost and quality challenge in U.S. healthcare. And once we have that as a foundation, we can dig into what these new companies are doing about it. Yeah, that works. So let's first define what MSK is. So MSK really includes your your bones, your joints, your soft tissue, and muscle. And it is a very serious issue. It's one of the fastest growing disease categories that impacts more than half of the Americans. And almost half of those that are affected with MSK will often lead to it being a chronic condition. MSK accounts for approximately 10% of all healthcare spending, and that's more than any cancer combined. And it's also the leading cause of employees' days loss. And if you factor in total productivity losses, it can also lead up to five times more than the treatment cost itself. So the interesting thing here is that despite these rising costs in the MSK, there hasn't been a a corresponding improvement in in patient outcomes. Spending more money has not led to better outcomes, which means that the current system is is not working. Yeah, I just want to amplify a couple of those points. More money spent on MSK conditions than all cancers combined. Wow. And Part of what drives up that cost so high is that aching backs don't only hurt the people who have them, they keep employer, they keep these people away from working. So the combination of the care cost and then the lost productivity is absolutely enormous. It's easy to see, Ricky, how some of this increase in MSK conditions comes from aging baby boomers like me. You know, as you get older, your joints tend to ache a little bit more. But there are some nuances here, too. Uh, Why don't you go a little deeper into the MSK world and reveal it for our listeners? Yeah, yeah, certainly, Dave. 
So, you know, as you mentioned, MSK injury increases with age, and that should be no surprise. There are ways to offset that by having a healthy lifestyle. But, you know, one thing is that, you know, there's more aging baby boomers that are more active and as a result are, are prone to more sports-related, activity-related MSK injuries. Um, and, and also in the workplace setting now, you know, historically, we're used to seeing MSK being an issue with certain active professions. But with COVID and the new remote work-from-home environment, there has been an increasing amount of MSK injuries really due to the workplace standard, which is your home office is not up to standards. And the employees are moving frequently less. The downside of MSK is that even if it starts out as a small problem, it can eventually lead to a bigger problem if untreated. Employees will miss work. You know, they become less productive and require more expensive care. And their MSK issue will make them more vulnerable to subsequent injuries or the actual MSK issue can become a chronic condition. So their quality of life can be significantly impacted if it's not treated correctly. You got to love those aging baby boomer athletes. I've known four guys that have ruptured their Achilles tendon playing pickleball. Maybe if we got rid of pickleball, MSK costs in the country would go way down. But that's also really interesting about the home offices and bad posture and bad chairs exacerbating these conditions. But, you know, when you got about half of the adults in the country with some type of MSK problem, it's going to start in a lot of familiar places. So that means the root causes of this cost quality conundrum, particularly since these problems often start small and then magnify, is actually quite simple, isn't it? Why don't you talk to us about the root causes? And that's going to lead into a nice discussion about where these new companies are pinpointing their attention to deliver better outcomes at lower cost. Yeah, David. So the issue here is very simple, as you alluded to. Much of MSK costs are really a result from misdiagnosis, prolonged interventions, and unnecessary and ineffective treatments, with surgery being one of the biggest cost drivers. In a 2019 study by the Journal of America Medical Association, there was nearly 2.5 million U.S. patients that were diagnosed with the lower back pain. And of those, only 1.2% received surgeries, but those surgeries accounted for almost 29% of total spend. So just by preventing unnecessary surgeries could generate enormous savings. Yeah, and the research shows that where you go first with your problem makes all the difference in the world. You mentioned lower back pain, choosing wisely, which is the effort to try to eliminate unnecessary procedures, things you should never do, has on its list lower back MRIs. Let's jump into this point about where people first go when they have a problem makes all the difference in the world in terms of outcomes, treatment, and then overall costs. Dig into that a little bit for us. Yeah, certainly, Dave. And, you know, one of our interviewees, Arosti, they did a very interesting study on this very topic. Uh, they commissioned Cohen to analyze over 2.1 million MSK episodes. And what the study really did is they looked at treatment costs associated with the patients seeing the first provider and also any subsequent costs associated to that same episode. And that's what we defined as trailing costs. And what the study shows is that the point of entry is very important. 
seeing the right provider as early as possible will significantly lower the trailing cost because the patient's getting the right treatment early. Unfortunately, a lot of people typically go to their PCPs for their initial diagnosis, and the PCPs often lack the right skill set to accurately diagnose the issue, and they would end up prescribing the wrong treatment. And that would lead the patient to not getting the right treatment for their MSK care condition, and that would result in this ballooning of their subsequent trailing costs. Yeah, just a couple of observations to add on to that from our piece, Ricky. PCPs are where 70% of, of people with MSK problems go first. And as you said, they tend to overdiagnose, so they're getting those lower back MRIs done. And they also often are just referral machines to orthopedic specialists, which then drives a whole other set of costs. The other categories of places to go, clinics, chiropractors, lower intensity places, diagnose the problem and then work at it through much less intense interventions. And that's a nice lead in to some of these innovative companies like Arosti that we talk to and that are taking on this challenge. And digital tech has come a long way to help them do this very effectively. So talk to us about why digital therapies are possible today and how they're able to target the problem and then offer solutions for it. Yeah, certainly, Dave. Look, I would say, number one, over the years, there has just been a significant improvement in the technology, whether if it's the telehealth capabilities, wearables, sensors, tracking software. Two, I would say COVID has really accelerated the adoption and use of virtual care. You know, patients and providers are more accustomed to utilizing telehealth due to COVID. And there's just been a, a numerous studies demonstrating that MSK virtual care is as effective as in-person care. But ultimately, it really comes down to making it more convenient for the patient and having a better patient experience. Through technology and in virtual care, workers no longer need to take time off from work to go to rehab or, you know, if they're at home, they don't have to find a babysitter to, to watch their kids while they go to the clinic. And it makes it very easy for you know, a patient to see physical therapists via telehealth to get them diagnosed. And with technology, there's better engagement and adherence rates with rehab where you get to do your rehab exercises at the comfort of your home and at your own time. In our article, we broadly divided these new types of MSK companies into two categories. The first is a hybrid model that has in-person clinics, physical clinics, and digital clinic offerings. And then the second, which are virtual first and all digital clinic offerings. And we featured a company in, in each category. In the first category, Arosti, whom we've already mentioned, does operate a true hybrid model, but does have this very effective digital front door and digital aftercare. Tell us about what makes Arosti so effective and how they're positioning themselves in this MSK marketplace. Yeah, and just as a quick overview, Arosti has over 160 clinic locations in four states, and they also have a digital MSK solution called Arosti Remote Recovery, or ARR, that is currently available in 47 states. Arosti has a, a proprietary soft tissue treatment model, which is really a blend between PT and pain management techniques to help correct 
the underlying MSK issue. And they're really great at what they do. They pride themselves on fixing pain fast, and they have proven that they're able to do that on an average of three visits or less. And one of the impressive things about Arasi is that from the very first patients they started seeing back in 2004, they started tracking outcomes. And now they have seen over 3 million patients, which they have tracked. And using those outcomes data really helped them improve and refine what they're doing. Arasi works primarily with self-insured employers and commercial health plans under a fee-for-service arrangement. And sharing that outcomes and uh, cost data with their customers really helps them win in this market and demonstrate the efficacy in resolving these MSK issues. So now when it comes to their digital offering, ARR, they really saw that as an opportunity to treat as many patients as possible. So they view it as an extension of their in-clinic business. Within ARR, Rossi ships their remote recovery kit with therapy equipment to its patients and also deliver educational videos and tailored treatments exercises via the AR app. And through the app itself, Arasi providers are able to diagnose the patients and also monitor and guide the patients throughout their treatment plan. So Arasi has done a wonderful job in combining both their in-clinic capabilities with their virtual capabilities and really done an awesome job differentiating themselves in the marketplace and creating a very superb patient experience. Yeah, you know, they started, as you said, in 2004, so they've got 18 years of hands-on experience in physical clinics, and they were able to translate that now into their digital offering. It's hard to believe that over time they won't become even more digital. The second company we featured is a virtual first fully digital clinic named SWORD, and that started much later than Arosti. But they also have a very interesting story, have raised a lot of money and are getting some real traction. Tell us about their business model. Yes, certainly. So Sword Health, as you mentioned, is a virtual first company that specializes solely within the MSK care space. And it was founded in, in Portugal in 2015, and now it's based in Draper, Utah. They've recently raised a Series D funding of $163 million, which puts them at a valuation of, at $2 billion. In, in our conversation with CEO and co-founder V. Bento, you know, they had a very deliberate approach when it came to developing their product as well as their go-to-market strategy. And for them, V really spent years building the technology and proving out their clinical model before even going to the market. And once that was done, there was a very fast adoption rate and they were able to win a lot of customers despite Hinge Health, who we'll talk a little bit about later, the other main player in this space, having a head start. And Sword again, is a virtual first company. They have an AI-powered digital therapeutic system that enables interactive physical rehab exercises from home. And it's also supervised by remote physical therapists. And the interesting thing about this is that V recognizes the seriousness of MSK and how costly it is. And he views that as, tech, as technology as being the only solution that helps increase quality and direct access to patients while eliminating costs from the system. Similar to Arosti, SWORD works with self-insured employers as, and commercial health plans. But then for them, they rely on at-risk contracts to really drive their growth. Um, so 
you know, V really puts the money where their mouth is. They charge a case rate for each other patient. And after 12 months, they compare their patient cohort with the control group. And if SWORD isn't able to deliver the outcomes and the savings, they will reimburse their customers. I love that. And what V said to us, it sounds like a much bigger risk than it is because preventing just one surgery, which can cost tens of thousands of dollars, right? You can do an enormous amount of clinic work. So they're great. And I bet we can't find another single company in the entire history of the world that founded in Portugal and then moved to Utah. I bet they're a total unicorn in that regard as well. Now, you did mention Hinge, and they're the better known of the digital MSK clinic companies. Talk to us a little bit about them and their model and the enormous market traction they're getting. Yeah, with Hinge, like I said earlier, they're the other player in this space. I would characterize them very similar to Sword in terms of the offering and revenue model. And I look at Sword and Hinge as 1A and 1B in the virtual MSK care space. Hinge is the most valuable company within this space with the $6.2 billion valuation based upon their, their recent Series E funding of $400 million. And like I said earlier, they're the first mover in this space. So they're able to have over 600 employers and health plan customers. And given their head start, they've really done a great job building out their clinical care team that consists of physicians, orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, and health coaches. And that helps you know, manage the patient throughout their journey within the Hinge offering. And Hinge also done a really great job developing their technology portfolio. And from a strategy standpoint, uh, similar to SWORD, they're really focusing on deepening its MSK care capabilities. And, you know, you could tell through some of the acquisitions that they made, they've acquired a computer vision company for motion assessment and also another company that does electrical pain relief simulation. So very interesting for them to start developing their technological capabilities even further within the MSK care space. You know, one factoid I learned about Hinge, you mentioned that they have had over 600 self-insured companies that they work with. They've only lost one client. So clearly the marketplace is speaking. Employees love this type of service, the quick access, and it also works, right? They resolve the vast majority of orthopedic complaints that come to them as the sword. So tell us about any other kind of digital MSK companies getting your attention. Yes, sure, David. Another virtual MSK company that's interesting is Kai Health. And that company was founded in Germany in 2016. And they recently raised $75 million in Series C's funding. What's interesting about Kai Health is that they view themselves more of a technology AI software company first rather than a healthcare company. And they look to partner with medical providers to create their care teams, which is very different from Sword and Hinge Health's model. Also, unlike Sword and Hinge, where they're focusing on MSK, Kaya Platform treats a range of chronic diseases such as COPD, not just MSK. So it's interesting to see how Kaya approaches MSK care differently than Sword and Hinge. We've also seen other broader digital health providers entering in the MSK care space. And these digital health providers are generally focused on treating other chronic conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, mental health. You know, a few examples that come to mind is Amada Health acquiring Pfizeria, as well as Dario Health acquiring Upright Technology. 
And this makes a ton of sense for many reasons. You know, the total addressable market for MSK care is huge. So there's a lot of upside and runway. They have the same customer base with self-insured employers and health plans. And they're also looking to expand their product offering into a one-stop shop, providing a better product for their customers. Wow. You know, Ricky, as you're describing this, I've got pictures of Lee Majors, the bionic man, kind of running through my head. And this idea that in the future, we'll have better living through engineering, you know, the monitoring, the son will be walking straighter, sitting upright and just living better because of all of this. And it raises the question for me of what's going to happen to the more traditional orthopedic model. I mean, orthopods are sitting atop of the pyramid. But if I'm looking at the tea leaves right, these new types of much broader MSK companies that diagnose and treat earlier are going to touch many more lives and could become the channels that determine not only who gets surgery, but where they get it. So how afraid should traditional orthopedic practices be about the emergence of this broader MSK marketplace offering that just touches so many people? Yeah, David. So as these virtual MSK care companies evolve, they're going to be more integrated with the employer's healthcare ecosystem, and they're going to play a significant role in directing the patients to the right treatment providers. So, you know, if you're an orthopod, that's something that you need to be aware about. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but definitely something you should be cognizant of. And as these virtual MSK care companies move towards the top of the funnel, if you will, in directing the patients, it's beneficial to start partnering with some of these virtual care companies, such as the Sword and the Hinge House of the World, to just be involved as part of their ecosystem. Yeah, that's just great. I think you're right. It's all going to blend together, become much more patient-centric. And I think the good news for American consumers is that with all these added capabilities, we can all have much greater certainty if we're directed to surgery that we actually need it. It won't be any more of these unnecessary surgeries or diagnostics and so on. So we can focus on getting the right care in the right time in the right way and at a much lower price, the right price as well. Well, Ricky, this has been a great discussion. It's been a fun project to work on with you. So I thank you for that. But as you know, I can't let you get away without making a big and bold prediction about healthcare in some form or another over the next three to five years. Yeah, David, thanks for putting me in the hot seat. So my view is that in the near future, the hybrid and the virtual MSK companies would be moving to the top of funnel, which I said earlier, in terms of serving as the initial point of diagnosis for the patient. Look, I wouldn't be surprised to see these virtual MSK care companies directing more than 25% of their surgeries to orthopedic surgeons. Also in the near future, as these virtual MSK care companies develop and become more accepted in the marketplace, there won't be a difference between virtual care and in-clinic care. I view, you know, whether if it's a hybrid company or a virtual care company, both companies will look to build out both capabilities. Companies will look to build out their virtual presence as well as their in-clinic presence. And ultimately, it's a better offering experience for the patients. You know, they get to decide on how they get diagnosed, and where they get treated. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Traditional orthopedic practices should be afraid, very afraid, that they're going to lose control of the patient funnel. 
And the idea that just like there's no more telebanking, it's just banking. We're not going to have any more telehealth or virtual health. It's just going to be healthcare. So, Ricky, you gave us two for the price of one. Thank you very much. And thanks for the great discussion. I encourage our listeners to read the article, Fixing America's Aching Backs, Bones, and Joints, Digital Clinics Transforming Orthopedic Care to Learn More. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep doing what you're doing to make all of our healthcare systems kinder, smarter, and more accessible and affordable for all.